Welcome to the Sunday Message Podcast of Bethany Church in Fresno, California. We hope this message will encourage and equip you as you grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. If today's message helps you, share it with a friend. If you would like to know more about the ministry of Bethany Church, please reach out on Facebook or at BethanyChurchFresno.com. And now, here's this week's message. If you have your Bibles, love you. Grab your Bibles or grab your devices. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5. There are three words that summarize this book. Helpful handles. The first three chapters are this idea that we are seated under Christ. It's who we are in Christ. It's our identity. It's in Him and Him alone. And because of that, um, uh, we can see ourselves the way God sees us, that we are accepted, we are significant, and our security is in Him. We have been slow walking chapters 4 and 5 um, as we're looking at how can we walk out this thing called faith. And then we'll turn the corner next weekend, we'll move into chapter 6, and we'll look at how we can take a stand against the enemy and that we can stand in victory in Christ Jesus. Today, we're going to be looking at um, a bit of a controversial topic. I don't really know why, because if it's in Scripture, it's what God says and it's how it is. Amen? But with that being said, it is, nonetheless, it is a little bit on the controversial side because it has to do with this concept of submission. Everyone say submission. And so submission, we're looking at walking in submission, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 21 to 33. If you would follow along with me, scriptures are going to just magically appear up on the screen. Here we go. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. I want us all uh, to say that together. If you would go back to that verse one more time, let's all say it out together. Ready? Here we go. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And so anything else that I say after this, I need you to know that the submitting part of it has to do with our reverence and our worship for who, everyone? For Christ. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Him. We continue on. Wives, submit yourselves to your husband as you do the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives. Just as Christ loved the church. I I want to stop there. I want you to look at, I want you to count how many times from here to the end of our text, Paul challenges, exhorts us to love. I'll say it one more time. Husbands, what everyone? Love your wives just as Christ, what? Loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. And to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain, wrinkle, or blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to, what everyone? Love their wives as their own bodies. He who, what? Loves his wife, what? Loves himself. And after all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and they care for their body, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, the man's going to leave his father and mother, be united to his wife, and the two are going to become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, and I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love, what everyone? Love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must what? Respect her husband. With that being said, let's pray. So Lord God, as we dig into your word, as we dig into the truth of your word, we're reminded of the fact that your word doesn't change. Even in our culture, in our world that is ever-changing, we can look to you. 
we also know that love is going to prevail the truth of the reading of your scripture today. So God, would your love just fill our hearts and our lives and our minds in Christ Jesus. We love you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. So this message is going to be only possible by the love of God. Uh, the, the, the unity that we're seeking, the submission that we're talking about, is only possible by the overflow of the Spirit of God, the loving Spirit of God, in our lives, into the life of everyone else. And that is oftentimes what is missing when I see a breakdown in a relationship, in a family, in a church, in life. It's because love is missing. And so if there is a, if there's something that, um, that I could give you, like a big idea that summarizes everything that I'm sharing with you, it's this right here. So I suppose you could fill this down, fill this out, and then what you could do um, is in, I guess there's number 10 on there. That's cool. All right. Um, you could fill this out, um, and then you could fall asleep for the rest of the message. But ready? Here it goes. Ready? Um, a spirit-filled church is what, everyone? A unified church. And if you would write this down, and a unified church walks humbly in submission. A spirit-filled church is a unified church, and a unified church walks humbly in submission. And this whole idea comes from our anchor verse for this morning, verse 21. And we read it out loud together, but I want us to read it out loud together right now, but with a little bit of gusto. Ready? Here we go. What? Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. We're we're talking about this idea of submission. And submission, if I could give you a definition, would be simply this. It's embracing the God-designed authority of two equal people. It's embracing the God-designed authority over two equal people. Now, now what do I mean by that? What I mean is submission provides for us order out of chaos. Submission provides for us unity when there's division. Shalom when there is discord in our life. Um, uh, every once in a while, it's nice to be able to show that I went to school and I went to graduate school and I, I studied the languages. I have a master's of divinity. And so I'm going to bore you for just a moment uh, with the original Greek word for this idea of submission. And it is hupo tasso. Let's all say that out loud together, everyone. Hupo tasso. And I think what hupo means is hupo means underneath and tasso means line up. And so it's a military connotation, almost like for those of us that have been praying for the peace in Israel, been praying for what's happening over there. We've been seeing that there is this uh, this offensive that is going on right now and they're under orders and they are lining up the same idea under submission where you will have a general or you'll have somebody giving you orders you have a decision whether or not you're going to trust the orders or if you're going to not trust the orders, if you're going to be unified or if you are going to be divided. Um, An unwillingness to line up is going to create division. Um, A willingness is going to create unity. And there are four examples of submission that I wanted to share with you this morning of how we play this out. Because a lot of times we just focus in on just the husband and wife context. But it's so much more than that. If you're taking notes, write down number one. It's this idea of how submission is lived in the church. The church. You see, God has created lines of authority and submission within the local church for his glory and for 
our unity. There's a passage that I wanted to share with you in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7, that says this. You've probably heard this before. Have confidence in your leaders and what everyone submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be everyone say joy. At the end of the message, I'm going to share with you this idea of joy. And I'm going to pack it in a way that maybe you've never thought about before. But do this so that their work will be a joy and not a burden for those, because that would be of no benefit to you. You see, in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7, this idea of hupotasso is prevalent. Something that we say in the church world, and that is this, is that churches that refuse to submit, split. And, and that is true when a lot of times people are not under the authority of leadership. And sadly, there are certain people just based on a defiant spirit and a heart that they don't want to submit to anything or anyone but themselves. Because sometimes we naively confuse submission with superiority. But if you've flown recently, you know, especially since 9-11, that flying in America and the world is very different. Agree? And so we have this agency called the TSA. You familiar with it? And there was a time, believe it or not, friends, where you could take a water bottle and fly. Remember those days? You could keep your shoes on and fly. Do you remember those days? Well, it all changed after 9-11. And there are some of you that when you go through TSA, if you're being honest, you're a little annoyed. True? A little annoyed, right? And sometimes you feel like they're looking down at you. You feel like maybe they, because they got the blue on, right? And they got the little badge, that maybe they're viewing themselves as being a little superior to you. But the truth is, is that you want to safely get from point A to point B. And at the end of the day, we're thankful for the service that they provide for our safety and the safety of others. Agree? But if you ever want to stress test that theory, there are all kinds of videos out there when people try to do that. And they're not funny. They're actually really sad. Why? Because authority and submission to authority, as I've defined it on the top of your notes, is recognizing that God designed authority over two equal people. And when people created in the image of God are in certain situations and circumstances, there are times based on their position that they have to have a position of authority and we have to have a willingness to submit to that authority. It reminds me of a funny, not so funny story about a person who really struggled to submit. He just so happened to go to a church, not our church, luckily. And he didn't like some of the decisions that the church was making. So he convinced himself in a Sunday school class to start their own church. They refused to submit, so they split. And they went and split and they started their own church. And they started their church, but unfortunately, within a couple of weeks, they realized that the only thing that they had in common is what they didn't like about the other people. They got in a room together and they started realizing, I don't like this about you, just like I didn't like it about them. And so, unfortunately, within a couple of weeks, the church that split, split again. And then it happened again. And then a husband and a wife found themselves out to lunch afterwards. They're like, we don't like any of these people. They're like, good, let's start our own home church. And so they went home and it was just the two of them. And they were worshiping together until they couldn't agree on what kind of worship style they wanted to have. And so one person was doing contemporary in one room and traditional in the other room. And they were split. Talk about a house divided. 
And it's a silly story, but the truth is, is that unless we're willing at times to submit, we'll find ourselves in disunity. And so what I just want to say is I'm so blessed, and we're so blessed, that Bethany Church has a sweet spirit of unity. Amen, church? It's something that we have been looking at for months, and I'm so thankful that we are a church united. But there's another example where sometimes we can become divided, and it is in the context of our home. If you would, write that down. Not only can we experience unity and division at church, but we can experience it in our homes as well. A spirit-filled family has lots of loving hupotasso, submission. But there are two Bible verses that a lot of times people use as battering rams, and unfortunately, a lot of hurt has happened because of these two. Let me read them for you real quick. Ephesians chapter 5.22, Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do the Lord. And then the second one comes out of what we're going to look at next week when we move into chapter 6. And that is this idea of children obeying your parents in the Lord for this is right. See, sadly, a lot of times people view the idea of submission to being superiority and it creates an inferiority complex. I just want to remind you that in this passage right here with these scriptures, it's not saying that every woman must submit to every man. But rather, in the context of a loving home, that a husband should love his family the way Christ would love the church. I don't know how many times you read the word love in the passage, but I did for you. It was seven times. Seven times it talked about the fact that love was supposed to prevail in the home. If you know anything about numerology and scripture, six, not a good number. Seven, what? The number of perfection. And so when scripture talks seven different times about something, that the idea there would be that there would be love of God overflowing from God to people into the relationships with others. But when that is missing is when division happens. And that's when hurt happens. And it's not only the hurt between a husband and a wife, but sadly, it's the hurt between a father and a mother and their child. Because submission to God's authority will ultimately set your children up for a win in life. Something that we forget about the nature of God, and that is this, is that God disciplines the children that he loves. But oftentimes in our culture today, we don't want to tell our kids no, because we think no means that they'll not like us and, and, and they'll be mean to us one day when we want them to be nice to us. Um, I'm going to give an example to you that I probably shouldn't, and I'll probably get in trouble. And so, Amy, I'm sorry, later. Um, but in the context of where we go to um, school, and our son graduated from, my daughter's a senior at Fresno Christian, and Amy's the principal at Fresno Christian, oftentimes, not always, but most of the time, the issues and the challenges that people have are not with, believe it or not, the kids. The issues, believe it or not, are oftentimes not with um, the teachers, the challenges that they have are most of the time with the parents. And I share that with you because the parents manifest their lack of submission to authority and it leaks onto their children. And then their children are no longer willing to submit themselves. And so, as the old adage is, is unfortunately, the old apple doesn't fall too far from the tree. I have a lot of people doing a bobblehead doll on me right now. 
It's a little bit of a touchy one. And if you get fired, um, we might need to get my wife a job for me saying that right now, because all it takes is an ill tempered parent listening to this and saying, I love you, but you're the problem, too. Right. Because a lot of times that's what happens in our life is that we ourselves become prideful and we end up not setting up our kids for a win in life. And if you're unwilling to discipline your child at home, you're setting them up as a disadvantage in life. It moves into the third part that I want to talk about, and that is work. Because the goal is, as parents, we don't want our kids living us with us all our life, right? We want them to get out and get jobs and get married, right? Leave and cleave, all that kind of fun stuff. Get off our payroll, get on their own. So failure to launch sometimes happens is, is that when, when the kids aren't used to hearing no at home, what happens when their boss tells them no? What happens when they get their first evaluation and they're not a snowflake anymore, right? What happens is they lose their biscuits, they move on to the next place, and they're proverbially moving down the line because they didn't learn the lesson of submission in a loving home of, a, of healthy authority. Am I preaching at church? You see, this is actually a loving passage because this idea of hupotasso is a biblical concept. Um, but a lot of times what we'll do is we'll get caught up in the cultural ramifications. For example, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 5, when Paul writes, Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear. We get caught up in this idea of a slave and a master, and we forget that our context would be a boss, an employee. And so this idea that for those of us that are under the authority, we have a boss, we're an employee, or we are the boss and we have employees, that we are to obey our boss, we're to respect them and fear them with sincerity of heart, just as you would, what everyone, obey Christ. In Colossians, Paul famously says that we work not unto man, but unto who everyone, the Lord. So the idea here is, is that we are all under authority and that God is not surprised by any of this. My final example is this. It would be in our government. And I know this is going to be fun. Here we go. Right. In our government. And 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 Lord knows our nation needs prayer right now. Amen. But under authority of our government, this idea of hupotasso is clearly there. I want to remind you, the Apostle Paul writes specifically not only to the church in Ephesus about this, but also to the church in Rome. And for those of you who've had the privilege, like I have, to travel to Rome, you know that Rome is a Christian country now, but when he was writing it, was Rome a Christian country? No way! It was pagan, baby! And the leaders, they weren't all born again. No, they thought they were gods. So let me read what Paul writes about the authority that they were under when he said, let everyone be subject to the governing what, everyone? Hupotasso. Authority. For there is no hupotasso except that which God has what? Established. And the hupotasso, the authorities that exist, have been established by who? God. So all of a sudden, that really breaks down our frustration with our government. I only want to follow people that love Jesus the way I love Jesus. I, I only want to submit to those people who, who, who vote the way I vote or who I voted for. And the problem is, if that's the case, we get ourselves down some really dark roads. And friends, we are there right now. This last week, there was this little glimmer of hope, I suppose. Not a surprise to God. 
when out of weeks and weeks of deadlock and confusion and infighting and outfighting, uh, our, our nation elected a new Speaker of the House. Did you guys notice that? And this new Speaker of the House is a guy by the name of Mike Johnson. The New York Times uh, sent an article out the next day, and, 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 uh, and somebody forwarded it along to me, and, and it said this, Evoking his evangelical Christian faith, Speaker Johnson repeatedly referred to Scripture in his speech from the House floor. So I'm like, well, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, all right, all right, all right, okay. He talks about in God we trust and why it's there and all of that. But it's interesting to note, and I wanted to read for you, these were words from his speech, not only to the nation, but specifically to the House of Representatives, which represents every state. Listen to what speaker says. The Bible is very clear that God is the one that raises up those in Hupotasso. He raised each of you up, and I believe that God has ordained and allowed each one of us to be brought here for this specific moment. And I started thinking about that and thinking to myself, I don't know this guy, but he's He's obviously has an understanding of what Paul was writing to, to the church in Ephesus. And I know for some of you, you're like, I feel very uncomfortable with this, Brent. You're talking about politics on Sunday morning. Friends, Paul talked about politics all the time. But sometimes we find ourselves in a political culture where you're trying to find like what's upside, what's down, what's going on. But what I do know is, is that we've experienced chaos recently as a nation, have we not? And sometimes when we see these examples of people refusing to submit to authority, it looks like chaos and anarchy. A little bit of a silly story, but let's say you find yourself so moved by this message that you cannot wait to get out of here and hop in your car and go home and to share this message with your neighbor. Or make sure that you're home for the kickoff for the 49ers game. But whatever that might be, you go home. And maybe you're inspired by the Holy Spirit, or maybe you just have a really heavy left foot. Uh, or right foot, and where your accelerator is, and you speed. You're over the speed limit. And then you look in the rear mirror, and you start seeing these little red dots in the, and you're like, oh, what is that? Most likely it is what? Sheriff John Brown, right? And he is slowing you down. And you have a choice at that time. Am I going to slow down and pull over, or am, am I on a mission from God? To go tell my neighbor the truth from what has been revealed to me today. Or make sure that I'm there for kickoff. And so, whatever it might be, you have a decision of whether you will submit to authority at that time. And you can continue to go and not pull over. You even have the free will and right to blow through a stoplight if you want to. But friend, I need to tell you something. Your neighbor will be meeting you and hearing a different message because you're going to be on KC24 tomorrow morning as the crazy person left Bethany Church unwilling to stop on a hit and run because I saw that this morning on the news. Somebody unwilling to pull over under authority. And guys, I think every one of us would agree there have been times that we've been, we've been, we've been accused or we've been caught of doing certain things, speeding or not speeding. And we're like, I don't want to pull over. But friends, how many times have we not been pulled over when we should have been? And so how easy it is for us to pick and choose when we want to submit or not submit to authority. 
I can't speak for you, but I'll speak for myself. I want you to catch this. The times that I struggle to submit to authority, it's this, is when there's pride in my life. That pride keeps me from walking in submission. Pride keeps me being unwilling to yield and submit myself to authority. Number two, but humility keeps me walking in submission. That humility keeps a Christian becoming more like Christ. I I just want to remind you the big idea. That a spirit-filled church is a church that's unified. And a unified church walks in submission. Why everybody? Because of reverence for who? Jesus Christ. Out of reverence for who everybody? Jesus Christ. And so he is our example. So on the bottom of your notes, let me remind you of people. We're called people of the way. That's what the earliest Christians were called. They weren't called Christians. They were called people of the way. Jesus was our example. He was the way. If you would write this down, that he humbled himself. He submitted himself. He huposapoed himself to the Father. He humbled himself to the Father. And we should do the same. And he said that when the Apostle Paul was writing about this relationship. I love what he says because there's really... No way to get around it in, in uh, his letter to the church in Philippi. Listen to what Paul says about this. He says, in your relationships, and so that's what we're talking about right now. We're talking about walking in unity, walking in submission with God and each other. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset of Christ Jesus. By the way, mindset is chapters 1, 2, and 3 of Ephesians. It's our identity. Who being in the very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. By the way, he could have. He was fully God and fully man. He could have played that. He chose not to. He had the rights. He decided to lay the rights down. Rather, he made himself what everybody? Nothing. Taking on the very nature of what everyone? A servant being made in human likeness and being found in the appearance of a man. Here's the key word, church. We'll say it out loud. He what? He humbled. We'll say it out loud, church. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. That is what Jesus did for us. He submitted himself to the game plan of God the Father. He humbled himself to the Father. He loved the world so much that he took his love all the way to the cross. And he said, I love you this much. That's good news, yes? But he did more than that. Write this down. He also humbled himself to his followers. He humbled himself to his followers. That's pretty powerful. Think about the night that Jesus was betrayed. Um, I mean, I don't think Jesus only did this event one time. I think he did it multiple times. But we definitely know for certain that he did it one time. That when his disciples came for a meal, that he'd be willing to take on the very nature of a servant and wash his disciples' what, church? Feet. That was something that a servant or a slave would have done. And Jesus assumed that. And the disciples are like, no, I want to have nothing to do with that. And Jesus said, if you're not going to allow me to serve you this way, you don't understand what it means to be my disciple. See, humility is the kind of humility that we not only humble ourselves under the authority of God, but we also humble ourselves to others as well. Those below us. So uh, in just a couple of moments, uh, we're going to have a, a baptism. We're pretty excited about that. And, and a baptism is actually a humbling practice where we're taking our rights, 
We're taking um, what we want to do and we're humbling that as unto the Lord. And what I wanted to say is, is that if you have not yet out of obedience humbled yourself to baptism as a believer, we're ready for you. My friend Courtney's going to wave her hand right over there. Um, we've got towels. We've got shirts and shorts ready for you. Um, and for some of you, you're like, I don't want to get my hair wet. I'm like, you know, sorry, ladies. Some of you don't want to get your mascara wet. Sorry, guys. You know what I mean? Whatever that might be. <laughs> Whatever, whatever the, whatever's keeping you from being under the authority and the submission of the Holy Spirit, in just a moment, when we begin to sing, I encourage you to head on over there to Courtney. Um, the, the last song is four minutes long. I will have plenty of time to get you, um, baptized because it is something that we do out of obedience to Jesus Christ. Amen, church? Because I want you to know that, that oftentimes what keeps us from walking in submission is going to be pride. What keeps us walking in submission is going to be humility. And so the very last thing that I wanted to share with you is this idea of humility. That we do nothing out of selfish ambition, but in humility we, we value others better than ourselves. Not looking to our own interests, but also to the interests of others. So as the band makes their way up onto the stage and we have this final song, I mentioned to you earlier, there's this idea of joy and being joyful in our submission. And on the bottom of your notes, I've kind of got a next step for you. And I wanted to give a next step to everybody that we would all be willing to joyfully walk in submission. So if you would write that down and by joyfully, I mean joy as in Jesus first, others second and yourself what? third, last. And that's what it means to joyfully submit. It means that we're putting others before ourselves. We're placing ourselves under Christ. We're walking in unity together. And that, my friends, is going to be the kind of church that's going to be willing to and able to stand against what the enemy wants to do. So with that being said, would you stand to your feet at this time? I'm going to close our time in prayer and then we'll close with this final song. We'll celebrate baptism. If you've not yet made that decision to follow Christ out of obedience and be baptized, I encourage you to do it. So let's pray, everybody. So, Lord God, thank you for this morning. We're thankful for the joy of the Lord because the joy of the Lord is our strength. God, we're thankful for your precepts and your promises and the truth of your word. And God, I'm thankful for the loving families, loving husbands that are, that are loving their families the way, God, you would love. So would you expand our heart and our life in love that would be overflowing into every aspect of our lives? Would you teach us to live lives of, of submission to your authority, submitting ourselves not to our desires, but also to serve those around us? So God, we love you so much, but only because you loved us first. If there's somebody in here today that has not yet given their life to you, I pray here and now, out of submission, out of authority to your name, that they would give their life to you. That they would receive the forgiveness of their sins that you paid for on the cross at Calvary. And that they'd walk in the freedom of new life. And it's in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit that we pray this. And all God's children said, Amen and Amen. For listening, know that God loves you more than you can imagine. And for everything Bethany Church, check out BethanyChurchFresno.com.